Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Proto-Martyr is a sophisticated and endlessly fascinating rock and roll band from Detroit, Michigan, and Domino Records has just released their fourth album, a compelling, daunting, and multi-layered record called Relatives in Descent. Proto-Martyr lead singer and lyricist Joe Casey first appeared on this show in 2016, and he and I connected again for a discussion about every song on Relatives in Descent, and we ended up talking about the state of the world a lot, too. Sponsored by Fresh Books, Hello Fresh Canada, Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, Planet Bean Coffee, and Granddad's Donuts, this is Joe Casey of Proto Martyr on the 357th episode of Creative Control with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Joe. How's it going? Oh, it's going pretty good. Good, good. Nice to have you back on the show. Yeah, it's great to be here. The last time uh, we spoke, we we spent like a hundred hours talking about uh, the state of the state of Michigan. How are things in Michigan? Oh, I think it's probably exactly the same as it was before. <laughs> I don't think anything has really changed. Um, same old shit, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Good. Uh, any anything? Uh, any, you know, any improvements? Any marked improvements since the last time we spoke in 2016? Now I'm trying to think of what uh, what they've done. That's been. Uh, I think at the time we were delving into the water crisis, we were delving into kind of right. state corruption type things. Yeah, we got very political last time. The, since then, I think the water uh, people are still using filters in Flint. Um, uh, the state prosecutor has prosecuted some people, but it's almost like show trials. I think he's planning on running for governor or something. So hmm. it's been very kind of spotty in that regard. Right. What about Wanted you? To sweep that under the rug. Yeah. A little yeah. bit. Yeah. And um, you're still there, right? We have a new uh, hockey stadium that costs a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Kid Rock might be running for uh, Senate. So <laughs> things are going swell here. 
<laughs> yeah, it, it feels like things are not better, but things might be worse. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think things can kind of plug along here, but uh, you know, the the national news got pretty dire <laughs> in the last uh, last year or so. So that's kind of overshadowed anything, I think. Yeah. Well, I thought we would spend our time today talking about uh, this new record, Relatives in Descent, and I imagine that uh, some of the things that are going on in the world might be reflected in some of our conversation about these songs. Mm -hmm. I think. I don't know this. I think. So I want to ask you some questions about each and every song on the record, but I want to begin with the album art because I it strikes me that uh, there are now a number of Proto Martyr records that feature right. a face, uh, a particular face. Can you talk about the the image on the cover of this record? Yeah, I mean, I just uh, I like keeping the album art pretty simple, um, something that you can maybe read into or not. And for this one, I, I really wanted like a uh, a woman's face on the cover. And I, I wanted it to, didn't know exactly what woman or, you know, for what reason. And I found that, that picture of Maude Feely, who is a old silent movie actress. And at the time, like that's from a postcard. At the time, she was considered one of the great beauties of America. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she would have, uh, you could just buy postcards of her different acting roles. And the full picture, it's pretty obvious that she's a nun. Um I just like the way she looked. Um, there was another interviewer that uh, was like, oh, did you pick it? Because it looks like the Sphinx. And I thought for a second, and I was like, no, but yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I was trying to do. Because it, it was kind of like my thinking was a very inscrutable, uh, you know, you can't tell if she's staring out at you at anger or, you know, it's a very interesting look she has in that, in that photo. Right. So. So I like, you know, so when the interviewer said the Sphinx, I was like, that's exactly what I was trying to do. <laughs> do you so, think subconsciously that was what you were trying to do? N- no, no, but it's a nice, happy accident. And, you know, that that reasoning for it makes a lot more sense than my, like, oh, I wanted a woman's face and I want it to be, you know, kind of ageless and, you know, and, you know, there, there it is. <laughs> you know, yeah. So it's, yeah. yeah. It's a, it was a dumber process than uh, that, so... You, you you did make the point that you were uh, because I, I you know I mentioned that the uh, some of the album covers have had faces on them and when I think back on them, I think they're mostly male. You made a point that you wanted it to be a, a female face, yeah. and when you said that, it made me think of a song we're we're going to talk about in a while called Male Plague. But is there a particular reason why you were hoping a female face would uh, adorn the cover? Well, at that time, I had the line she's trying to reach you. Um, I didn't know exactly where it was going to be when I started thinking about the artwork. So, I, you know, the idea of a she being in the song somewhere, and not like your typical rock and roll she, where, you know, it's like a, a love interest or something. I just kind of felt like that had to, you know, it was time, you know, hmm. to, to mix it up a little bit. And this line that you reference, uh, she's just trying to reach you, actually recurs. And we'll talk about that as well. Uh, it recurs... <laughs> I mean, it, it's uh, included in the first song, and then it kind of comes back in the last song. Um, so that's significant, I think. And uh, like I say, I hope we will talk about that. What about the actual title of the record, Relatives in Descent? Well, with that one, it was uh, all the other previous records. I get the line from like, the line from the uh, the album, one of the lyrics. Mm-hmm. And usually it sticks out pretty obvious, like, okay, that's 
can be a great title for a record and, and can kind of encapsulate whatever what I'm talking about. And this time there really wasn't that jumped out, or there was a couple, but they seemed pretty obvious. So I just remember kind of actually being at the studio and kind of, you know, looking around and trying to get inspiration for something. And I saw that, you know, if on legal documents, you know, your, your relatives that are younger than you are your relatives in the descending line. And so that means like your grandkids and your kids <clears throat> in the ascending line would be like everybody that's older than you. Hmm. And it just seemed like, okay, there's a lot of songs about relatives on this record. Um, you know, truth can be relative and truth is in descent. And, uh, you know, descent can be like descent, like uh, D-I-S-S-E-N-T. So I was like, okay, that seemed just in that like three word uh, title, we can probably cover a lot of what the songs are about just with that. So that's fascinating because I automatically thought of your relatives as they get older or as they uh, suffer illness or something like that. Right. Like, uh, and that's all, you know, uh, time is a way of, uh, affecting everybody. So that's, you know, that's also there, but you know, <clears throat> that's one thing I wanted when I was approaching this record is like, I got to, well, my original idea was not to get super personal because I felt like I had gotten pretty personal on the last record. Mm -hmm. And I think if you do it, uh, at least for me, I felt if I did it too much, it would be kind of uh, become kind of a uh, crutch or something, or to actually be looking for <laughs> plumbing my depths for you know sad things that happened to me. So I really was hoping to be more uh, creative or more uh, fictional with this record. I see. Okay. Which, yeah, you know, which is kind of weird, like going into it and then having all this uh, stuff happen in the world. It was like, okay, I was going to try to lie my way through this whole album. And now lying is no longer cool anymore. It's actually pretty dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let's begin. Let's begin mm -hmm. with uh, the first song on the record. It's called A Private Understanding. Not by my own hand. Automatic writing by Phantom Room. Now with my own voice. Plus, it made it stand on two legs. That's how I bomb my head. In this age of blasting trumpets, paradise for fools, infinite round, and the lowest deep below a depth. One of the lines that uh, stuck out for me, or, or at least one of the images, was this age of blasting trumpets. You repeat this phrase, uh, in this age of blasting trumpets, I don't want to hear those vile trumpets anymore. W what's the origin of that line for you? Well, it was kind of like after the election. You know, things can feel apocalyptic all the time if you, if you let it. And, you know, there's always the idea of trumpets being the warning or, you know, uh, a king will have a trumpet to announce his arrival, and it just seemed like the blaring of the trumpets were, you know, getting louder and louder around then. It's not like I've seen some reviews say, "Oh, that's obviously like he's talking about Trump supporters there." Like he's calling them trumpets, and mm -hmm. it's not necessarily that, but it's definitely, you know, just a feeling of like this is a new age and this is uh, not not a very good one. And you know, here here comes the warning signs of the alarms going off. And, those would be the, the trumpet sounds, you know. 
Well, uh, you can see how people might read into your the, the parallel between this these lyrics about uh, a paradise for fools, infinite wrath, and the lowest deep, a lower depth, and then later uh, the scholar will be forever poor. It does seem like you're addressing anti-intellectualism and the rise of that, and a lot of that has been associated fairly or unfairly with the rise of Trump and his followers. So you, you probably, am I, is that fair? Can you see where people might be interpreting this? Uh, oh, sure. Yeah. No, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, but it's, it's one of those things where I, when, when you're talking, like, at least for me, when I'm talking about lyrics, a lot of times, like when I start to unpack them, it becomes like very like, well, this is obviously I was, I meant this and that. And, and sometimes I don't know what I'm meaning when I, when I come up with it. And so then it's later on that I have to apply meaning to it and uh, try to figure it out. And I felt like, well, I don't really want to make it super obvious that I'm, you know, that Trump specifically is the reason why I'm so pissed off right now, you know, even though that would be the case, because I figured I was more focused on how I was feeling um, with all the historical events going on. You don't want to, you're trying not to date your, your feelings too much, you know, even though I, in the next song I actually put a date on it, but, uh, (laughs) you know, it's, 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 uh, you know, you try to, you try to keep a little bit of the mystery there, but yeah, it's uh, basically, I was just feeling like, yeah, anti-intellectualism was rising and, and, uh, it seems to keep on, it seems to be the new thing, you know, Mm-hmm. Being being smart is stupid. <laughs> All of a sudden, yeah. Being, being an expert on anything is a bad a bad thing to be. So, you know. Well, I think uh, a lot of us have become sort of mired in existentialism about the state of affairs and and become very philosophical about things. You actually uh, reference a particular philosopher here. Call me Heraclitus the Obscure. Constantly weeping because the river doesn't move, doesn't flow. It's been led by Snyderman to make profit from the poor. Don't want to hear those five trumpets anymore. I got that out of a book. He's mentioned a little bit in this book called The Anatomy of Melancholy. Um, which was from the, uh, when was it made? I want to say it was at the 1600s. Mm-hmm. Might have been the, but it's just uh, this guy writing about like why people are sad. And it's a very thick book from back then. And, you know, it's uh, because it's from back then. Some of it's like, well, it could be, you know, the vapors in the air that make you sad or it could be this or that. And then he also gets very philosophical and comical about it almost because he's collecting all these writers you know, you know, these philosophers and things and what they have to say about sadness. <clears throat> and, you know, Heraclitus was the weeping philosopher, you know, and I just reading up, like, so once I saw him in the book, I was trying to read up as much about him as I could. Mm-hmm. And it's the second time that I've come across a philosophical thing in a book and then tried to understand it in another book. And basically they say, well, we don't really know what he was talking about. We have some <laughs> theories. So again, it's like, okay, you know, that's, I guess I can apply my own meaning to this. But his big thing was the idea that you never step in the same river twice. You know, even though the river is a river, because it's flowing, you can step into it, and it's it's new, and that's kind of like how the world works. It's constant flux is the natural state, yeah, which he's, is nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah Heraclitus but, believed in ever-present change, I believe, right? He just believed yeah. everything 
uh, was changing, and and that's just the 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 core principle of the universe is that we just have to uh, endure change. And uh, I I read a a quote about him and uh, that associated him with this notion of the needless unconsciousness of humankind. Maybe like it's sort of sort of like uh, actually I was trying to unpack what that meant myself. Did, did that resonate with you? Did you have you heard that before? Well, well that, yeah, that was the thing is that there's some sort of and I, again here's here's the the dime store version of it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I can understand. I'm cliff noting it myself. Don't worry. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm just trying to figure it out myself. We, we don't need any experts on this. We can figure this one out ourselves. <laughs> uh, but I think the idea is like, yeah, like he, he talks about logos a lot. Uh, and that was a thing is people trying to figure out what he meant by logos because, mm-hmm. you know, it can be applied to different things. And he actually kind of used it. It was almost like his cover up. It's like the. Uh, the age of intellect was what's his face is this logos was his words it's like yeah there's there's a logos that exists you know kind of like a, a, the understanding of of humanity and the way that we interact with it is uh we forget almost yeah and <clears throat> it's there but we you know it's and and that i i that kind of affected me because i'm like okay i'm trying to talk about truth and all you know, this guy that was crying and <laughs> supposedly cl- climbed into a dung pile because he was feeling sick, and that's how he died. Or one of the you know, every every story about how he died is very depressing. Oh, <laughs> him him climbing into a pile of dung is probably the saddest one. But uh, so but so he's struggling all this, you know, way back then. Like okay, there's 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 this private understanding that people have, and there's something that everybody knows. It's like the universal truth, mm-hmm. but we we can't articulate it or we can't. We can't quite activate it in our brains. You know, it's kind of like a separate part of your brain. Right. right. So I'm you know, reading all that. I'm like, okay, that's that seems about right, you know. <laughs> and so that uh, that's that kind of took over the song. Well, the, you mentioned this this um, this notion, this quote, I think, that's been ascribed to him. No man ever steps in the same river twice. And in, in your song, uh, you say, call me Heraclitus the Obscure, constantly weeping because the river doesn't move, it doesn't flow. It has been leaded by Snyder men to make profit from the poor. Again, don't want to hear those vile trumpets anymore. This made me think of Flint uh, yeah. and the water crisis. Is that, that's an interpretation? Were you, were you, was that on your mind? Yeah, I mean, that was uh, 100%. Like, uh, I'll cop to that, that, you know, I use the term Snyder men in our, in our, uh, our current governor is Snyder with a Y. I see. Of an I. And yeah, it just, it just felt like that was a case where, yeah, it, it's, it was man-made error um, based on greed and, and probably racism and, and hatred of the poor that allowed people to get poisoned and, and sick and die. And it's going to give uh, children birth defects we're not going to even know about until you know, m- much long after. And it was just to save money. I, we talked about this uh, <laughs> very a lot. That's right. Uh, last time. We did. But, yeah, to me, I just, you know, like, um, <clears throat> you know, natural disasters are terrible. And, uh, and but when it's something that's just designed uh, to save a buck and it, and, it, and it ends up killing people and no one is really held accountable, um, there's a couple scapegoats they're they're nailing to the wall. Mm-hmm. It's just it, that to me is the more frustrating thing. Yeah. Then you know, the world is tough and all, but it doesn't need to be that tough. You know, we we don't need to have that kind of stuff happen. Yeah. And the, the fact that it happened so close, and because we live in this this age where it's just like, and maybe it's because of things being reported and the internet and all that, but 
you know, these very important tragedies happen that should be immediately, you know, talked about and dealt with, and, and at least on a national level, this could kind of shuffle down the line and new things get replaced and a new tragedy happens every day. Yes. And, uh, and so you, you don't really hear much about Flint anymore. Uh, occasionally it comes up in the local news, but, uh, there's other things to to weep about now. So mm, it does seem just, like that's constant, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't think I don't think any lessons were learned from from Flint, which is the the sad part. I want to. Uh, there's a lot there, and we can unpack. But I, I wanted. I do want to move on to the final passage of the song because um, I am uh, quite fascinated with Elvis Presley and um, mm-hmm. this connection. You include this very vivid passage about Elvis Presley Elvis outside of Flagstaff driving a camper van looking for meaning in a cloud mass sees the face of Joseph Stout and is disheartened then the wind changed the cloud into his smiling lord and he was affected profoundly But he could never describe the feeling He passed away On the bathroom It follows this Sort of unpacking of working class life I think and what's going on And Elvis has become the symbol of that On some level Can you talk about this passage uh because it invokes elvis it invokes joseph stalin it's 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 remarkable actually can you tell me about it well i was reading the uh i think his name is peter girl girl and nick peter girl like, yeah yeah he has two he has two books about elvis and the first one is it goes all the way up until he gets out of the army and his mom dies and it's kind of like the ascendancy of elvis Last Train the, to Memphis. The last called. Train to Memphis, yeah. And then the second one is, I believe, Careless Love. That's correct. And that's kind of like a slow kind of unwinding, you know. And uh, what I did was I got both those books at a used bookstore on tour. And, I, you know, I didn't know much about Elvis. I wouldn't consider myself like an Elvis fan. And for some reason, I was drawn to read the second book first. Oh. Which, yeah, so I read that one first, and then I went back and I read the other one. But in the second one, it's just kind of this slow... Decline. Oh, when he went into the army, that's when he got kind of addicted to pills, which hmm. would be what what killed him eventually. But you know, he's still he, he's a very vibrant character in this book. It's real. You know, I would suggest people read it if they want to read a good book. These are uh, two of the greatest books I've ever read. I will. Yeah. I will put that out there, and I've said this before. And I was very fortunate to have Peter Gralnick on this show to talk about his most recent book about Sam Phillips, and I spent a considerable amount of time telling him how much I how much those Elvis books mean to me. Because uh, yeah. beyond the story of Elvis, they're just, I mean, beyond the fact that it is Elvis, they're amazing stories. Just yeah. just, just as a cultural arc, it's fascinating, endlessly fascinating. Yeah, it's just, you get, you get like a sense of, it, of the history around him and what he was kind of like going through. And then there's Elvis in the middle and you're hearing all these stories and he's still... Is at the end of the book, he's still kind of a mystery figure in a sense. Yeah. yeah. And uh, but what fascinated me about that particular story was just you know the idea that he would drive his buddies around. Mm-hmm. You know, we like we like to think of like the Memphis Mafia and all that is just like you know end up being kind of thuggish. And but at the time, it just seems like he just needed his core group of buddies around him just to kind of stay normal. And the idea that he would just go on these trips where he'd drive them around, you know, 
the biggest you know, rock star, the biggest star in the world, driving his buddies. It was kind of a nice thing. But just at the time, he was really trying to seek answers. You know, he was really excited about uh, trying to find the meaning of life. And well, so the, the, and, and I will say, like, he's a cultural trailblazer who's the victim of cultural change. Like, he doesn't survive, essentially. He doesn't thrive as the culture he invented changes. Right, right. And it's just like, I, I, I just like the idea of him as a seeker, at least in the, in the middle of that the second book, where he's really trying to, you know, he's trying to be a better person. He's really, you know, and I think a lot, you know, I've never really done that. <laughs> Maybe I'm doing, you know, so just the fact that he would, you know, have these feelings and try to look for answers. And just like this, this part that pops up in the book is just like, it's such a bizarre, I had to read it. Like I remember being in the van and reading that part and then immediately going, Hey fellas, fellas, like, let me read this a little bit to you. Yeah. Like this is, you know, Cause we're driving in a van, you know, in the middle of nowhere. And it's like the idea that like he first saw Joseph Stalin in a cloud and just like, Oh, what does it mean? Like he's really trying to figure out like why God or whatever would show him Joseph Stalin in the cloud. Yeah, and kind of freaking out about it, and then you know having it turn into Jesus and him going, "Aha, I get it." <laughs> and then, but you never see exactly like what he, he tries to talk to his buddy about, like what his more spiritual buddy, what what it all meant, and he couldn't quite you know figure out what it meant, and hmm. and then you know the, the his story goes on, but just that idea that. Uh, he had an epiphany in the desert. It is kind of a nice uh, visual for me. Yeah. There's all sorts of little subtle things about Guralnik's books. Uh, he was on a panel once with Grill Marcus, and Grill Marcus said, uh, there's a line about the 68 comeback special where you say that at the end of it, Elvis was literally spent. What did that mean? And Guralnik said, well, he came. He actually yeah. came in his pants <laughs> yeah, performing. Well, <laughs> so it's those tight leather, tight leather pants, man. That. You're just like, oh my god, like yeah. what is happening? Like the book is, and, and I read that the first time and just was, I didn't even think of it. I just, oh, he must have been tired. Yeah, he's uh, really tired out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's it's fascinating to me that you picked out one of these many remarkable passages to to sing about. Um, and, and what, and I just want like what what I thought was. Another little funny thing was, uh, our drummer Alex had been playing like some Al Stewart in the in the van. We we're driving around, or he had played it before. Mm-hmm. And I guess you know, a couple like not too long ago, Al Stewart wrote a song about the whole song is just about that portion of the book. Oh. <laughs> so he's got he's got a song about that 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 moment too. And it's just like, oh, okay, well that must have been must have been an important part of the book, you know, because. It's been it's been sung about before. Yeah, speaking of your of your drummer, the I I kind of think of the main riff in this song as being the drum beat. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. What was interesting about this one was this is a song that Greg really came. Greg, our guitar player, actually had like a demo of it, where he actually kind of had like that weird drum beat. Like he had come up with that drum beat, and then like Alex kind of developed it further to make it actually you know work. Oh, okay. But it was like definitely it kind of came out of Greg's head complete as a song, and and so that's kind of the first time that's ever happened where you like just brought in a demo and he's like here here's here's an idea I have, and it was like okay this is a, a complete song this is done. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. he's got to put, put stuff on it. So that was, you know, and that, it's almost like that was his epiphany. <laughs> he just had this <laughs> one song. And from then on, it was like, okay, this album, you know, I, I wasn't worried about the album after we had this, this song and I could think about, and that's why I think the lyrics out of all of them is like the most kind of thought over and, and plotted and stuff because I had the longest time to work on them. Well, you know, I'm a fan of, of your band generally, but I, and I think I've made a point of telling you that uh, your drummer, Alex Leonard, is fantastic. I was just really blown away by particularly seeing you live for the first time. I mean, the whole experience of seeing Proto Martyr is, is quite overwhelming, but I just found his drumming to be... It really stands out on this record, I think, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I'm, and I'm glad, I'm glad he does, because it's like, I think... It's one of those things that I, I don't think people necessarily pick up on, on the record. Sometimes it might just go, like, oh, it's a weird drum beat. But you really have to kind of see it live. It's like, okay, this guy is doing something very bizarre. Yeah. You know, I, I think people sometimes focus too much. Oh, the lead singer looks weird, and he and he <laughs> and he and he sings. But the, the band. What's interesting is the band is all doing something completely different. Yes, and, that's and it's yeah. it somehow works. You know, Scott's got like a two-step dance that he does laying down the bass, and you know, it's just, I don't know exactly how it works. I, and sometimes people say it doesn't work, but yeah. All, all three of them are doing something different, and I'm doing something different. It's quite bizarre. Yeah, and it does. You're right. I, for some reason, I think uh, it all of that pops out a bit more on this record than maybe yeah. some of the previous ones. Before we leave, we spent a lot of time on a private understanding, but before we leave it, I must ask about this line. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, it, it will recur in Half Sister, which closes the record. But this line, she's just trying to reach you. She's just trying to reach you 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 She's just trying to well, in this song, because the lyrics were one of the last ones to write, like the two last ones I wrote were actually Half Sister and the, the Private Understanding. But I had, like, you know, when we were practicing the song, like in, the, in our practice space before we go in the studio, I'm occasionally throwing out things that I kind of get stuck in my head when I'm listening to it, I'm driving around. And she's trying to reach you, was stuck in my head for this one. Mm. And I, I didn't know. I was like, okay, you know, what's she? I don't know what she is. I, I guess best to put a woman on the cover of the record because I, I have a feeling that she's going to be reoccurring because it was just, it was something easy to sing over the end. Right. And at first it was like kind of like a placeholder, like, okay, this is a long part. I'll just kind of get a repeated phrase here going, but I'll think of something, you know, I'll think of some words later, <laughs> but just as I'm doing it, I'm like, okay, I like how long, how long I'm repeating it because especially in a, with this album, I really was like, okay, I got to think how I'm going to be singing this stuff live because hmm. in the past, sometimes I didn't. And then I go out and try to sing songs live and it's, it's a struggle. And right. so I was like, okay, I got to, you know, I'll have something to sing here and it will be, you know, I'm sure, you know, I have some sort of meaning. And then as I'm doing it in practice and you have to do it so many times, it becomes more strength. You can, it's a, it's fun. It's a joy to put an emotional thought into it as you're singing it, because it is after these pretty glum and downcast ideas at the beginning of the song, it is kind of the, the light shining through a little bit. Like, okay, you know, she's trying to reach you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
you know, she's trying. You you might not be t- trying to reach her, but she's out there trying to reach you. Yeah, there is something kind of hopeful about that that you know. that notion. Yeah. Okay. All right. Like I say, I think we 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 have uh, totally figured out that song. I mean, that song's yeah. done. I, I don't. That's a hundred percent. That's a hundred percent understood now. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna move on to here is the thing. This one is kind of almost it's it's almost the exact same at least in my mind almost the exact same structure as the previous song except it's a lot more local and that's to do a lot more of like stuff in Detroit and and uh, kind of how much Detroit has changed since the since the first record and like the kind of just an update on it and but also applying like you know the, this feeling <laughs> this universal feeling that seems to be happening and seeing how to, you know, how I feel about it in relation to Detroit. Do you have uh, particular issues with sports? Uh, no, I, I like them. I just feel like it, uh, like I like the Tigers quite a bit. That's my team. Uh, Greg is a Lions guy. He likes the Detroit Lions. Scott is a Red Wings fan. I, my issue is just the idea that we just gotten out of bankruptcy as a city, and we give us a lot of money to the Illiches, who are very, very rich to build a stadium and we they always try to present it as a you know this is going to be a benefit to, to Detroit and or, you know and it happens all over the place and it just it, it never works out that way and uh, people are starting to get wise to the idea of like let's not give a ton of money to somebody to build a stadium because then they'll you know they'll try to replace them in 10 15 years this is a and especially since our schools are so bad like we, we have no money for the schools in Detroit hmm. but at least they're, they're going to Build a stadium, you know. Yeah, they defunded all. They defunded all the funding. Rather, they defunded your your school system in your city. You were you were saying that the last time. Yeah, yeah. So here's the thing: is kind of this weird phrase that's popped up now. You, you, it's sort of it's like the beginning of an explanation uh, that right. someone might someone might go, here's the thing. You know, that's the way you would talk. But I mm-hmm. couldn't help but think the thing here was the stadium. Yeah. Well, it, it just. Uh... I I would I I say here's the thing a lot. Sometimes after I had a couple drinks, I'm like, oh, here's the thing, here's the thing. <laughs> Enough that like Alex pointed out to me once. He's like, you say here's the thing quite a lot. And I was like, okay, <laughs> well, I guess it has to be a name of a song now, idiot. <laughs> so that was the yeah. But the thing basically like a more in a larger thing. It's basically capitalism. You know. I see. And, and it's basically just, you know, especially in America, this kind of unfettered capitalism that, uh, you know, is all consuming and, and affects everything. And, you know, it, it benefits the rich. <laughs> it's a great thing if you're rich. I tell you, I wish I was. Yeah. Because I'd love living in America if I was wealthy. Yeah. Yeah. But um, so that's basically the thing. But especially since Detroit right now, especially downtown, is getting gentrified and changed. And some of that is really good. And, uh, 
I don't want to be like a naysayer. You know, it's great to have new people move in. We can tax them and hopefully get the schools better again and the services better. But it just seems like a, you know, a weird sort of time in Detroit right now because it's, uh, it's, it's changing very fast. It's changing like every place else I've seen gentrification change. It doesn't seem to be focused on the people that live in the city at all. Yeah. So that's it's weird. You the the whole song in terms of your singing and phrasing is a something of a flurry of words, but there's a passage here that I wanted to ask you about specifically because it's it's sort of unusual. It's the passage that begins with "from foot to gut," and yes. it's just a, another larger flurry. What's going on there? Well, um, with that one, it was around the time that like coming off a tour. Yeah, I get like aches and pains, you know, and when I'm old enough now that every time I get an ache and pain, I'm like, okay, what is that? You know, I'm a little bit more fearful of, of aches and pains. And for a while, I just had like a shooting pain that went from like my foot all the way up to my gut. Hmm. And I was like, okay, that's that's no good. But then I was thinking, okay, I don't really have, you know, I have health insurance, but it's not very good. and I pay a lot for it. So a lot of times you just kind of like, okay, I'll, I'll put it off. I won't, I won't worry about it. You know, it will go away. And so from there, I'm like, okay, like let's let's kind of <laughs> extrapolate that feeling of hoping it just goes away. You know, there's a lot of uh, like right now, and the the guy that's kind of in charge, Illich, the fellow that owns the uh, Red Wings and and Little Caesars, he passed away this year. Mm-hmm. So like, there's a new fellow, uh, Dan Gilbert, who's kind of like the new billionaire on the scene, and he does a lot of like altruistic things, sort of. But he also gets paid to do it, you know. Mm. It's kind of like his brand is that, you know. And he does, like, you know, on one hand, he, like, we hear these things. He's going to build, like, these buildings. And he's going to bring in these new jobs and stuff like that. But it just seems weird because he also has, puts up surveillance cameras everywhere downtown. Yeah, he has, yeah. Like, he, has, he has his own security force. Um, he, he just seems to be, like, there's – It's. I think maybe most billionaires are weird. But, like, he, there's something weird about him where all this, like – largesse and being you know, nice to be it seems to be a front for something I yeah, don't know there's, what always, there's always fascism within the billionaire class isn't there yeah it's like but i can see that happening you know like you've amassed all this money you you you, you can't just like live amongst the people you have to kind of control as much as you can yeah. you know yeah. or you feel like you can and so there is this kind of this double thing where it's like oh, we basically just gave him the keys to the city to do whatever he wants yeah and some of that is like putting a surveillance camera that was pointing into the the Detroit uh, Free Press uh, office, like right into the office. Yeah. For what reason? Who knows? But it, it just seems like, okay, that's a, that's a weird, that's a weird thing to live under. Well, and so he, he loves surveillance and he loves comic stands and in the name of his, uh, he's got rock financial is one of his companies. And, uh, Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So this explains and, that reach rock roll. Right. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I kind of wanted, you know, like you, you, you want like a cadence, you know, you know, in every an old timey rock and roll songs, it'd be like a, you know, hey, let's rock and roll, 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 you know, like, <laughs> and so, you know, the rock financial is like one of his, you know, and Quicken Loans is his other one, so it's Quicken, you know, pass through, pass without paying. I see. Okay, yeah. that's coming through now. I appreciate yeah. the insight. That's true. That, okay. That's one of those ones where I'm like, if someone doesn't get it, who cares? <laughs> it's not, you know, it's, I don't think it's important to the song at all. No, it but, is, uh, I, I think yeah. it is. I mean, I, I saw little things like that. I didn't really understand retrack Roll, so I appreciate yep. that. But, uh, yeah, it's a yeah. very sinister song, which made me, um, a sinister sounding song, and it made me 
think of the Jesus Lizard, and I don't know if you talk amongst yourselves about bands you like or influences. Do you guys, do you like the Jesus Lizard? Anybody? Um, I didn't really listen to much at all, and I don't know if the other fellows have. Like, we've been compared enough to them, and I always think, like, oh, boy, like they, they, they're actually, like, the sound and, like, the like it, it's much bigger than the sound that we're making. <laughs> so oh, I always okay. Feel, I always feel it's a bad comparison because I'm like, you know, we're going to sound like a wimpier version if, if we get compared at all. You get, you, I know. this does happen? You get compared? So yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, we get comparisons to a lot of bands. And, and some of them, I'm like, okay, I can see that. And then some of them, I'm like, I get it, but like that's, like they're making a much more brutal uh, sound than, than us necessarily. But yeah, like the, and they're, you know, I'd say like maybe a band like Pistines are probably closer to to them than we are. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, and I've talked to Piss Jeans about that, too, and they've had to mm. deal with that, too. I think it's something about Greg's guitar playing, though, as well. Like, it's a very sophisticated guitar approach, yeah. and I think that it reminds people of oh, Dwayne Dennison a little bit, maybe. I don't mm-hmm. know. But And then you, you're a gruff singer, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it's very vivid lyricism, and I think David Yao did a lot of that as well. So, anyway, oh, this yeah. is I don't often think this about you guys. I can't actually... You know, on some level, I, I I'm not hunting for influences when I listen to you. I think you're your own thing. But this song in particular, I just it just as I say, it's kind of it's a sinister song. It seems very it seems to be a, about a dark thing, and that's yeah. what I associate with them as well. And and for some reason, the music here uh, did remind me of of that. I I will say I love the Jesus Lizard, so it's a, meant to be a compliment. Well, that's the, I, I like I I've said this before, but I. When I when someone compares us to a great band, I always say I take that as a compliment. I'm just worried that Jesus Lizard will take it as an insult. <laughs> it's just, you know, I, I like it. You know, no, I knowing them yeah. as much as I do, I don't know them very well, but I don't. I think they would be flattered, and uh, oh. I think they're you know an underground band whose influence is is present in a lot of new music. But I even the Piss Jeans conversation, they were like, you know what, we get that all the time. Never heard them. Like I, yeah. I hadn't listened to them, so that is a weird. I think if I were them, that's a weird testament. Like the music is pervasive, and people don't even know the source. Like I think, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think, and I think it's, I think it's the case with them is that you know I, I know as any kid growing up when uh, Nirvana came out, like I had the one split CD or whatever it was where like they had a song, oh, yeah, and Nirvana that's right. had a song, yeah. And so that was like my one kind of run. I remember at the time I should go back and listen to it. I remember at the time be like, "This is too scary." <laughs> you know, I, I didn't. Uh, it was Puss. Of, that's right. The, the Jesus yeah. song was Puss. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they they were scary, and I got to see them a lot. So, uh, yeah. and I was scared. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and your this song is if you really boil if you delve into in, into the song, it's a little scary. So yeah. Yeah. All right, we should move on. We're going to move on to the next song, which is "My Children." Pass on, strong, pass on, all mine for yours. 
I have children. Do you have children? I do not, no. This song is about the next generation having to deal with a bunch of shit, um, I think. Um, a little bit. What, what's your, where, where did this come from for you? Partially, yeah. It's, it's, it's got like three or four feelings jammed into this one. Uh, I had the title for a long time. Um, because I, you know, I was like, okay, I'm getting, I'm 40 now and I, my prospects of having children are zero at this, at this moment. <laughs> um, so, but it's, you know, when I was younger, I was like, okay, when I have a kid and I have a job, and, you know, I would always picture this future, you know, for myself being a father. And it was, and it's one of those things you kind of have to, you know, think about not as much. I think women have to think about it more because they have a, the window kind of closes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt it where I'm like, okay, I'm getting, getting pretty old here. Like I, the the idea of having children is less and less, especially being in a band and, and, you know, not really being very stable financially or mentally. So it's, uh, you know, you start thinking about that, like, what am I leaving behind? And at the same time, you're trying to write songs, uh, and you're trying to figure out why the hell you feel like you need to write songs or like what, what, what what kind of emotional thing is making you do this, you know? And so it's like, okay, like maybe these songs are my children, <laughs> you know, oh. maybe, th- maybe this is what I'm trying to leave behind, you know? And it's, but then it's also thinking about, okay, like that's kind of a weird, uh, uh, it's, it's almost, it's a selfish act. I think in a sense that you're trying to like pass on these, your personality to the next generation. So they remember you, and, and you're trying to hopefully do it. You know, the only, the only reason I really wanted to have kids when I was younger was like, oh, I can't wait to, you know, you know, tell them stuff that Dad taught me. You know. Oh, interesting. And so you're kind of like keeping the line going in a sense. Um, so all that stuff was like boiling around in my head, and then of course, again, you know, the the election and, and kind of the state of the world was like, okay, this is it'll be a weird time. Maybe you can tell me it'd be a weird time to have kids. I think. And just the idea of like trying to pass stuff down, and uh, and then there's also the idea of like, you know, how older people always think the kids are stupid, <laughs> you know, right. matter, yeah, and they you know they don't listen, they they're on drugs, blah blah blah, you know, and some of that might be true, and but that might just because we're, we're passing down worse and worse information, um, <clears throat> so all that's in there. Well, it's and fascinating this this notion that you thought of your songs as children. That totally. Mm-hmm. That that just blew my mind uh, as yeah. I scan the lyrics here. That makes more sense to me. I do want to ask about a reference to Suffragette City by David Bowie. <laughs> Was on your mind? Yeah, I mean, he had he had died, and um, you know, there's a lot of documentaries, and so you know, Greg, uh, I would say, is the Bowie head in the band, and he bought like a bunch of books and was reading them, and you know, it was really kind of like telling, kind of doing the same thing I was doing with the Elvis book, like, oh yeah, this is an interesting story here, and blah blah blah, and you know, I and I just felt like you know, with Suffragette City, I don't know what any of the lyrics are, and it's and that's almost kind of the thing, you know, in, in a weird sidebars people always like oh your lyrics are so great 
or or, <laughs> or, or, or like, oh, like you put so much thought into them or blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, a lot of times you don't even listen to the lyrics. You know, most people don't. They're not, they're not the most important thing in the song. You know, hmm. they're almost like place fillers. So like, I like Suffragette City, but really the only part that I, I understand is you know, the don't lean on me man part. Right. You know, and here, here it is like one of my favorite songs and you know, I have not really sat down and poured over the lyrics and the meaning of it. And so I think it's funny, like, you know, you're the lyricist, you know, you're supposed to be plumbing your soul for this great uh, stuff. And, you know, you know, these are your children. And really, they, just, you know, they can be passed over. They're, they're basically just, you know, mouth sounds, really, mm, <laughs> at, the end of, at the end of the day. So that's kind of my complicated you know, feeling about lyrics, you know. Yeah, that's it, fascinating. It's very fascinating. Is there anything you want to say about the music on My Children? Uh, no, it was a song that we had early on. And, uh, I mean, I think I like the build a lot. And then I like how where it goes from there. Okay. Um, and I can... On tour, when I do it live, I don't, I just kind of improvise the first part, you know, knowing that it's going to speed up eventually and then the song is going to kick in. So I can have, that that part will probably constantly be changing as, as it goes along. Oh, I see. Okay. Let's get to, uh, let's get to the next song here. It's called Katrina. To save a couple times Seems like such a crime And all that loving That's leaving Replace now with Complaining down in this hole And I'll be spitting on the living Till I get my Cross of Connemara stone Can I throw a wild stab at the dark About where I think this came from? Okay Well, you, I'm probably way offline here But I, I saw this line about And I'll be spitting on the living Till I get my cross of uh, is it Connemara Stone? Mm-hmm. Right. And then that made me think that the song might be about or r- referencing the Irish poet Katrina O'Reilly. Is that is that nuts? Uh, it's totally nuts. <laughs> no, yeah, that's no. <laughs> <laughs> this is the great. This is the great and sad thing about the explaining lyrics is I think people sometimes have you know better or they'll get a connection to it and it's. There's I hate a, the idea. There's an Irish. Idea. There's an Irish connection there. Just so I, I didn't really explain that, but I believe Connemara is a, a region in Ireland. And then I thought of Katrina O'Reilly because she's a poet that uh, delves into uh, that that country. That's why. That's why I thought of all those things. Yes. Well, that, and that's that's a wonderful. That's the great thing about lyrics. If you do pour over them, you can make your own connections, and the word should fire off different thoughts. You know. Like, that's why, yeah, explaining things sometimes can can ruin it a little bit because <laughs> someone's uh, what they take out of a song is uh, just as important as what I put in. Well, I mean, I, I will argue that that was my interpretation, and in a way, even though you're the writer, you your writing is an interpretation of life in a sense. So it's just like an endless cycle of interpreting something. Uh, well, and that's the okay. That's the great thing because here's the, here's the segue. Yes, the, the song is actually an interpretation of a book. Um, by a guy named Martin O'Caden, or I was actually pronounced Martin O'Kine, uh-huh. looks like Caden. But he was an Irish writer, and he wrote in Irish. And his, his books, his one book is called, like, I don't know how to pronounce it in Irish, but it's been translated into uh, The Dirty Dust and uh, Cemetery, Cemetery Clay, I think is the other title of it. Hmm. So it's got two different translations from uh, into English. And so I read both of them because I read the first one. I read the Dirty Dust. And I'm like, wow, this is 
this is crazy. I read the second one and it was almost completely different. Oh. <laughs> it was, you know, it was a little bit more, uh, it wasn't, uh, dirty dust is very kind of colloquial and it kind of makes words up because you know, translating from Irish, I guess, is notoriously difficult. Yes. Um, and so the, the reading these two versions, like, I, I don't even know if I've actually read the book now. <laughs> I can't say that I read it. But the book is about uh, Katrina who dies and um, she gets buried in the local, uh, it takes place in Western Ireland, like an Irish speaking part of Ireland, kind of like near Connemara. And um, once she goes in the cemetery, she just keeps talking and everybody else in the cemetery talks. And they're just yelling at each other, and they're just talking about like old grievances, and it like takes place a little bit after World War II. So there's like a French pilot's plane crashes, so he's buried there, hmm. and so he's speaking French, and everyone's like, "Ah, oh, shut up!" You know, they don't know what you're saying, <laughs> and they're complaining, and they're complaining, they're gossiping about like the people up in the town, and uh, Katrina uh, just wants the, the, across the Connemara Stone. Like Connemara Stone is like a very nice stone, and yeah. You know, but her uh, her son, she keeps on hearing from up above that her son keeps on spending the money that was supposed to be for her cross on other things, you know, on, her, on his wife. And, you know, and so it's constantly like, you know, I'm going to keep on, you know, uh, being agitated about this until I get my my, my damn cross. That's all I want. <laughs> <laughs> so I just it was very it's very comical. It's, you know, it's kind of dark, too, but it's a really funny book. At least you know the two versions I read. <laughs> Whether well, maybe the other one isn't, but that was kind of like the you know, and then so that was that's how it kind of fits into the theme of all the other ones. Was just like okay, this is another thing about family and about being disappointed. Like it's a person like regretting, kind of like oh my stupid son. She's always making fun of how dumb her son is, and and it's like okay, this is you know, especially after the last album where I, I you know I opened myself up to talk about my, my parents and things. I was like, it's, it's the, and, and talk about the afterlife is this big romantic thing that, you know, to have an afterlife this comical and this kind of like, this seemed to be like, okay, yeah, if, if, if the world, the way the world exists now, this is like what the afterlife is going to be. It's going to be complaining and, and moaning and groaning. And so that was kind of like where the lyric ideas came from. Yeah. Directly, directly that book. Right. Well, it's very funny, and it's very, uh, you know, it, 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 I like the kind of um, noirish aspect to it. The, the music, in turn, is almost pop. It's almost a beat. Yeah, Would yeah, you? and I, I'm, I'm glad because <laughs> we often, we, we uh, an easy thing we get tagged with all the time is that oh, this is dark and gloomy, and 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 you know, and the music is dark and gloomy. But the, you know, these guys can really rip. You know, and, yeah. they can, and it, it, it's fun. To, that's a song that's fun to sing live because it's you're singing in the voice of a, an old woman <laughs> that's been dead and complaining, um, with this kind of like almost joyous music behind you. Yeah. It's just kind of a nice. It's a, it's a nice thing to sing. Absolutely. No, it's a it's a great song. Just save a couple times Seems like such a crime And all that loving That's leaving Replace that with Complaining down in this hole And I'll be spitting on the living Till I get my Cross some kind of mother stone We're going to move on to uh, The Chuckler And the locks in the vent And that is less to me now Calls are answered, it's no bother. I just wanted to talk. 
last time you and I spoke, you described, uh, you invoked the phrase chuckling as kind of a hollow form of laughter. And we were talking about how uh, the only way to react to the ascent of Trump was to laugh initially. And then as it got more and more real, the laughter descended into kind of hollow chuckling. I remember you saying that. Yeah. And I don't know if uh, when I look at this, when, or rather when I listen to the song and when I process the lyrics, it is a lot of kind of half-hearted laughter at weird, dark things. Um, was uh, Can you unpack what this song, where the song came from? That's that's pretty much it. Was you know I, I had the title of the Chuckler for a while. I didn't know what song it was going to be for, but yeah, I mean it's basically like you're trying to you're living a life, and and in this time you know the, the character has a, a pretty bad job, you know, where he has to deal with customers all the time, <laughs> and you know there's a sense of like loneliness and and you know separation from people, and you're just you're trying to get through your day, so you know everything. You, you kind of have to take a comic approach to life, I think. Mm. And, and so the, the mundane issues that you're dealing with in life is one thing, and then this kind of big axe hanging over your head of like, you know, is, is there going to be another big? You know, we're still in wars. We, we've kind of forgot that we're still in wars, and now it, Trump's picking fights with North Korea for some reason. Like mm-hmm. what? It, and then you know just. The, the world news turning, you know, the, the, all the terrible devastation and things happening. And really, you're just trying to, you know, get a paycheck and, and go through your life. I think most people are like that. Um, but, you know, and you're trying to just laugh your way through it. But it just after a while, you know, like just the other day, they're like, oh, it's Saturday Night Live is back to really take it. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. It's a Trump. And it's like, oh, that's great and all, but it didn't work. No. Know, it's not working. No. <laughs> all these jokes aren't working. Yeah. That, I've you know. made this point before, even talking to comedians on this show, that I, I'm worried oh. that satire is, has been rendered ineffectual because you have the ultimate joke running things yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, so that's kind of, you know, that was the, the thing with that one. And then it's, again, it was another one where it's like Alex has this very interesting drum beat running throughout and it's just you know for me it just kind of seemed like a ticking clock or a, almost like a ticker tape or something you know just constant yeah. build just a constantly building song uh yeah it feels like uh, yeah that doesn't quite uh resolve itself uh, right which gives it a, a real tension i think mm-hmm. so yeah. that was that, that was that was that one yeah. do you ever did you, you you outline here a dialogue with a telemarketer and my conversations with telemarketers always end up with them calling me a motherfucker 
Like, really? Always, always, <laughs> always, always. Yeah. You think you're funny, fucker? Like they just scream that at me, and I have yeah. to deal with it. And because I t- I lead them on, you know, I tell them my house is they like how you do air duct cleaning services, and I tell them I live in a mansion with thirteen. Uh, bathrooms and and I just keep going and then I, they're like, well, how many square feet is it? And I say it's it's a thousand square feet. You know, I just do stupid things because I'm annoyed. Right. And then they just scream at me. And I I thought of your song here because I think uh, you have certain empathy for the customer service trade here. That I, uh, you know, this notion of these people are just trying to live their lives and make a buck, and and here we are maybe condescending to some of them. Right, right, and that's I mean. I hate them. <laughs> I don't like them. Yeah. You know, and I, uh, and you know, a long time ago, we signed up for something, you know, like some government program where you're supposed to be on the do not call list and you're not supposed to get these calls. Yeah. And then, you know, and I, you know, we, I don't even know why we still have a phone in this house that I'm living in. <laughs> but because those are the only calls that we get. Same you know, here. Not, I have the landline too. I have the landline and I just, that's all I get pretty much. Yeah. yeah. And it's, and it's, I, I used to, you know, be worried. I go, okay. I need to have the phone because mom's friends might call and ask about her, and I got to tell her. Okay, no, she lives with my brother now. You know, but that that kind of stopped. You know, yeah. nobody's calling the house except for these people. Yeah. And a lot. Of, what I hate the one. You know, because I sometimes I, now I just kind of let it ring a lot. But sometimes you know, I'll pick it up and it's just like dead. It's not even. Yeah, they take a there. second because they're using a machine, and then that you right. and then they. They chime in after like ten seconds or something, yeah. Right. Yeah. And then, yeah, then I also have the fear where they have this thing where they try to get you to say yes, and then they can record you saying yes, and then they can apply that. You know, oh, oh, he agreed. He agreed to this and that. So it's always like you're always on edge when you pick up the phone now and it rings. And so it's like, yeah. I mean, I get, and that's I. I don't like. I hate it when people are like, oh, like they're all foreigners and you know they they use these fake names and that, you know screw them. Yeah. But, you know, it's like again, they're just. They're trying to get a job, and they're just trying to, you know, that's their job, you know. And so the, the the guy in the song, he has a job where he has, like, customers yelling at him all the time. And, you know, he can try to have a laugh about that, but then, you know, he goes home and, you know, these people are trying to, you know, get a buck out of him. It's just, you know, this constant thing. And you, and you got to try to, you know, at least it's not a robot on the other end of the line. Yeah, I appreciate I appreciate your perspective there because I, I don't have much sympathy for them. I feel bothered, yeah. and the tone is often, it just, and it's all, for me, they're always trying to rip you off. I mean, my dad fell victim to one of these scams. I couldn't believe it. My dad used to lock every door and hyper-concerned, mm-hmm. and he just went in and went in with this guy, and, and this guy just wanted to, you know, the one where they call you to say there's something wrong with your Windows computer? Have you ever had that one? Oh no, no. Yeah. They, they specifically say we we are detecting an issue with your Windows computer and people fall for it. And my dad yeah. just let I think he screen shared something and oh, I couldn't believe it, my dad. So yeah, I have little sympathy for them. I appreciate your perspective. I think they're scum. I think they're <laughs> Yeah, well, it's true cuz I I noticed because I on some record somewhere it says that my mom lives in the house and she's in her 80s. You do start getting all these calls, where they're really hoping to fool an old person. Yes, you know, and that's like, like and yeah, like they'll do things like I get t- calls all the time, like, "Oh, this is a collection agency." I'm like, "Well, who are you calling for?" And they're like, "Well, no, you call back this number, and we'll you know, yeah. explain it to you." Yeah. It's like, "No, I'm not going to do that, man." Yeah, you know, like, yeah, yeah. So it, it, yeah, I'm not. I'm a, I, I'm a, I, I have a very bad feeling about humanity, but 
Uh, I guess on this song, the character just was at such a low point that the only person he could talk to was a telemarketer. Right. Okay. That's fair. All right. Now we move on to uh, the, I think we're at the halfway point of the record. We are at a song that I can sort of relate to as a Canadian, I think. It's called Windsor Hum. Mm -hmm. Detroit, right across the river is uh, Windsor. Um, yeah. So it is, which is Canada. So you you write a you are a, in a border town. What is that like for you to live so close to another country uh, that uh, I can't? I think you're suggesting that it feels like you could escape to another country. I'm not sure. What what can you say about this song? No, it's more more about like what America is sending out into the world. The, Wind- the Windsor hum is actually like a real thing um, coming from the American side and noise polluting the Canadian side. Oh. Um, it's a, they trace it back to this island that's owned by U.S. Steel called Zug Island. Uh, Z-U-G. Zug. Mm. <laughs> it, look, it looks like a Zug Island. It looks, it looks very, uh, it's like an industrial island in the Detroit River. And it's uh, putting out some low frequency that... Uh, hits the Canadian side some somewhere somehow it bounces off the water and just and it's driving people insane oh and uh, there's really nothing you know because it's not conclusive that it's coming from Zug Island um, and in US steel be you know it's actually you know, because they have they pull so much uh, money and you know uh, it's probably never gonna stop and, and people are saying like they have to move because it's the sound is just constant and it picks up at night, and uh, they they think it's a blast furnace that's on the island. Oh, that's making this sound. That's weird, and they can't <clears> do anything about it. Well, they, uh, Canada's trying to work. Like, it, it, what happens is, Zug Island is actually part of like this town called River Rouge, hmm. which is kind of like a very small little town, and that like U.S. Steel would be like their main uh, where they get most of their money from is the big industry in town, hmm. and so I don't think they want to do anything about it, and I don't think you know. I think it's one of those weird sort of border disputes that will never be solved. You know. Um, well, the lyric, so the lyric here, like you mentioned, it's a, it's sort of a what America's putting out into the world. The sound across the river, into your brain pan, saying everything is everything's fine. The sound going across the ocean, saying everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything yeah. is fine. Is an interesting thing yeah. that we say to each other sometimes when nothing is fine. Yeah, we got the be- we got the best people on the job. Everyone's saying we're doing a great job. Yeah, you know, don't, you know, uh, you got you got to support the flag one hundred percent. Empty reassurances, basically. Yeah, empty reassurances, and just uh, yeah, I mean, 
And so I, I've seen takes on where people say, oh, he lives near Canada, and he's thinking, oh, Canada is so great. No, it's, it's fine. <laughs> but it's more, <laughs> it's more about just kind of like this weird, like I'm sure. So I read somewhere that people were like, some Americans are figuring out for the first time how the world has sought them for a long time. Hmm. That, we, you know, because we actually have this, uh, this fellow in the office, it's like, oh, now I get it. Now I see how we come across this. These big idiots that uh, throw money around and are, are quick to temper and, and, and violent and and uh, disgusting. <laughs> but when you it's, when you write here, it says want what you are given, need what you'll never have and mm-hmm. never will. What is that a reference to? It's just a, I think um, that's kind of you know I think a lot of the and this is just my dumb take, but I. I feel like a lot of like the anger and and the, the reason why maybe Trump got in the office besides racist finally having a guy that they could get behind yeah. was also I think I think some people were generally like I'm sick of politicians I want to I'll put anybody in you know I just want to shake things up and I think a lot of that is because a lot of people just feel like the the American dream they're being sold that you know you'll be able to live comfortably and you'll have you know, money to give to your kids and you, know, you can buy nice things. It's just not true. They're not seeing it. Yeah. And so like you're told constantly like, Oh, you know, strive and you, you'll get what you want and you'll, 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 you know, but I think more it's like we're people are being told that they need these things and they need, you know, to be a good American, you, you better, you better have some money. And so it's kind of like this weird sort of, thing and i think it's starting to fall apart a little bit you know yeah so people are interpreting and myself included interpreting it to be a kind of a song about canada but it's really really a song about america and its place right. in the world okay yeah. uh, i also want to point out again uh, not to over flatter alex leonard drumming on this song also amazing yeah i think we can say that for every single song <laughs> maybe one where i'm like no nah, you know what he, was, he wasn't doing he wasn't that hot uh, he really stunk up the joint that day <laughs> no no it's just particularly good beats is all i'm saying he's just mm-hmm. good at coming up with interesting beats yeah the next song is don't go to anacita Is this an actual place? No, and I made sure to Google it to make sure it wasn't an actual place because I didn't want to uh, to shit on people that didn't need to be shit on. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's just uh, uh, I made it up uh, for a song, "Born to Wine." I mentioned it in 
uh, a song that we did last year for like a single. And I just wanted like a, a fake place uh, that I could put characters in or you know, talk about like America, for instance, and not be like, you know, be too obvious with it. Okay. Like too, you know, straight ahead. And specifically, it's more about kind of like, uh, you know, every state's got them. You know, there's a lot on the West Coast and then just older ones on the East Coast with these kind of affluent suburbs that exist in almost a bubble. Um, and you know, they, it's like, Oh, it's almost like a, a liberal utopia, right. but, then you, but then it's, it's all, it's all fiction. You know, it's not, they're, they're not, uh, you know, actually liberal. <laughs> they just, they're, they're liberal in the sense that they, they, they can go to yoga and, and, they, right. can, and they can go to Whole Foods and, and, and that's like the extent of their, 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 their selfish in a sense. And so, uh, there's a lot of places like that in America and I think, and where it's just like, I don't want, you know. I don't actually want to deal with things that, uh, you know, I don't want to deal with poor people. I don't want to deal with, you know, immigrants and things. Oh, oh meanwhile, this whole economy is being operated by immigrants and, and, and taken care of by immigrants. Like your, your beautiful trees in your, in, your, in your town are being tended by migrant workers, you know. So it's kind of like, it's just a distancing act that a lot of people have when they live in these nice places. Do you do you think that the issue of gentrification? And, I mean, it's a complex issue. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you think it's addressed enough? Like, what's going on with the displacement that is caused by uh, gentrification? Um, you see, that's the thing. I, I don't. I'm, I'm no expert. It, it, it is complicated because um, I think what what why when I know it's bad is when somebody that's like a landowner or uh, you know, they, they just sit on land for a long time. They buy up everything mm -hmm. and then they, you know, they wait for the time to, to cash in. And that's what happened to Detroit. People are like, oh, Detroit's crumbling. Detroit's crumbling. It's not like nobody owned those buildings. You know, all those buildings were owned by people that lived in the suburbs and they were just waiting for the time to, to unload or to, to make hay, you know? Yeah. And so now the time is coming. So now, you know, people are getting kicked out of places that, you know, were, left to be in ruin and you know people people in detroit were just like okay fine you know that, that's the way it's going to be we're going to we're going to live like this and now they're going to come in and build these new condos so i don't know exactly who they're for but it seems like that's kind of like the go-to plan you know like i think pe uh, people have meetings where they say hey, here's how we're going to gentrify a place you, you build all these shitty condos and yeah you know it's almost like uh it reminds me of like when a, like this is a dumb analogy but the first time you ever saw a pretzel bun, we're like, oh, this place has, you can buy a sandwich with a pretzel bun. This is so made. Great, you know. And then all of a sudden, boom, you, you can't go anywhere and everything's got pretzel buns, you know, or, or pumpkin spice lattes or whatever. The first time you see it, like, oh, this is so interesting. But then it's repeated, you know, it just becomes the, this is the way we do it. And it's, that's what's disheartening to me. Is it's not a Detroit answer to, to growth. It's just a, you know, a universal way like hey okay now we build now we can have this restaurant in here but it'll be more expensive than the restaurant that was here before or now we're gonna have a grocery here but it's not going to be a regular grocery store it's gonna be a super fancy grocery store and it's because we need to attract people that have money yeah when you invoke kombucha here for some reason that's the word that stuck out to me the most is this kind of symbol of intellectual righteous comfort you know I right. can't. I can't explain it, and it's this superiority thing, where it kind of you're enjoying 
a slight luxury in life while, like you say, inside your horribly made condo and maybe the kombucha is the comfort food to get over the fact that, you know, people have been displaced. You know, it's not necessarily a good thing that you're doing what you're doing. It's right. I mean, on the side of the kombucha bottle, there might be like a uplifting slogan or they might say, Oh, we give, you know, this is all GMO or, but we know whatever the, you know, yeah, it's and no offense to kombucha, kombucha drinkers, and if you want to drink snot, you go right ahead and drink it. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it's just to me, it just stuck out that that was the. And one of the things was like after the election, we played Las Vegas the day of the, the night of the election, which is weird <clears throat> because we never played Las Vegas before, hmm. and it was weird waking up and we're like, okay, now we got to get something to eat. You know, we're all pretty bummed, and so we're like, oh, let's go to Whole, Whole Foods, and you go to Whole Foods. Uh, and it seems like it's the world didn't change. Everybody's smiling and happy and, yeah. you know, buying their expensive food and, you know, getting their fancy, you know, this and that. And it's like, okay, yeah, this didn't affect these people at all. Mm. You know? mm-hmm. And it's just kind of bizarre. And then driving out of town, you drive past the, the Trump Tower in Vegas. She's like, oh, this is, this is the world we're living in now. So it's, uh, and it, yeah, just, just that feeling that, you know, it, that kind of liberalism that's all about the self. Yeah. I'm allowed to be who I want to be. Thank you, liberalism. But nobody else, I don't give a shit about anybody else. Right. What's well, another darkly themed song with uh, an upbeat musical arrangement again? You know, verse, yeah. verse, chorus, verse, bridge. And again, I think you alluded to this earlier. It's sort of meant to, they go hand in hand. They're complementary. They're meant to kind of offset each other in some ways, I think, the music with mm-hmm. some of the imagery. Is that fair? Yeah. And, and Yeah. Yeah. And then... Besides, I don't want to like the fake liberals. They're in there, but there's also like the the righteous uh, Christian is also in there. That, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they all live in the same town. You know, <laughs> yeah. Where it's like uh, it's this uh, it's this high and mighty thing where you just don't you don't think about other people, or if you do think about them, you think about them in very abstract ideas, or you know, oh, those are immigrants, or those are illegals, or those are you know, yeah. You, know, you just categorize people to make yourself feel better yeah we move on to up the tower on horse for me dear sir the marble emperor defenestrate the king the howling waves of people crashing through the first blockade they washed away They thundered up the stairwell Till they reached that golden door They're not upon the golden door I think there's protest in the air right now. There's all sorts of notions of trying to affect change with what America has to deal with, what the world is dealing with. Uh, from my reading of the song, this is about a coup, a protest, a riot, removal of someone from power. Am I close? Yeah. Yeah, that's what it's about. And it, this is another one. That I'm going to tell Alex you better listen to this because this is another one where Alex's drumming really wrote the song for me. Mm. 
uh, it was stomping. Like, it's like a stomping rhythm. Yeah, stomping, and then it gets kind of light. So it's like you, it almost sounds like people like running up stairwells, and then like you know, bop, 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 knocking on a door. Yeah, and it just you know, it, it was conceived. You know, my general take is that you know landlords should not be praised. Landlords have to go out of their way to be considered a good person. In my in my you know, that, it's a, it's a tough job, but. You know, landlords can be universally bad people, and to, the fact that we elected a landlord to me is just the most uh, insane thing. Yeah. I, I would think people would be like, you know what, I I don't want my landlord in charge of my life, and that's you know, there's good landlords, but I'm saying like that's it's a job, but it's very easy to be a, a terrible person, and so it just you know, uh, I have this song where the drums sound like somebody running up a tower, and then. This uh, guy that lives in a gold tower gets elected to uh, presidency. Yeah, and, I, and that was I'm just and that was an emotional response. It's like this guy won by just inflaming people's hate. You know. Well, uh, I, I will say you, there's a couple lines here that stick out for me. Defense straight to the king, knock it down, mm-hmm. throw him out. Your uh, statesman there, your fellow statesman Michael Moore, has suggested that this hope for removal of office for impeachment is. Uh, a false hope. Uh, what's your take on that? Is that something you're... I mean, I, I think we're all hoping... F- I shouldn't say that. A lot of us are hoping for that to occur. Do you think it's a likely outcome? Uh, no, I don't think it is. Uh, especially just because I, I don't think that's how Americans think. And and I don't think that's how things work. You know, I, it's, one, it's one of those things where like, oh, I don't like this guy. I'll get rid of him. You know, he, yeah. he's, he's, he's in there like a tick. You know, he's not... Yeah. They're not going anywhere. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it's a hopeful song for. It's like well, a it's, fantastical song almost. It's a fantastical song because I don't, you know, I don't want it to call like I don't want to be the guy calling for an uprising. You know, <laughs> I, I, I explained in another interview. I'm like this. This album is, you know, it's it's a coward's protest album, mm. uh, and because I'm not uh, a leader of anything, but but I am responding to, and I, it's kind of the case I think where people are just like I can't believe what's happening. It's like, well, that's because we didn't really pay attention, you know. Yeah. And uh, and I, I I will put myself in that list of people that just did not pay attention. Okay. And just uh, and so, just the feeling of this 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 hate that's in the in the place. You know, I'm sure there's people that didn't like Obama. You know, they wanted to get rid of Obama, and they probably felt the same way. But it, it, this this seems, this feels different. You know, it feels like uh, uncharted territory, or maybe way too charted territory we just don't understand it yeah but it just uh you know just the idea of this happening is kind of uh i think a lot of people are kind of i think there's gonna be a malaise or something we'll look back and be like oh boy like there's a lot of depression around this time yeah okay well on that note let's segue out of that (laughs) move moving on yeah (laughs) there's a song here and uh i believe it might be in reference to a cacti whose uh, name I can't quite pronounce. Is it Night Blooming Serious?
it is, and I'll, I'll just give you like a straight sure where this song sure. came from. Yeah. It was after, uh, I don't know, like in, in Oakland, California, there was a, a fire, a ghost ship fire. Yes. Well, like it's a DIY space burned to the ground and hundreds of people died. And, you know, you, you, you hear about that and you're like, oh, like, I know places like that. You know, I know uh, friends like that that died. And, and I started realizing, especially when you tour Europe and you're playing places and you, and you find out, or even in Canada, you find out that there's... A, a system to, to support the arts, and it's embedded in, in the society. And then in America, we don't really have that at all. You know, there's some grants you can get and stuff, but you can't, mm -hmm. you can't, it's very hard to have an, exist as an artist in America, yeah. I'd say. Yeah. And so these places are kind of important, you know, um, because it's really the only place you can go. You know, you're living in these, these conditions that aren't good, and you're, uh, you know, you're throwing parties for people that wouldn't be allowed in other places, you know, uh, you know whether like, so these, these places are important because that's all we got. And to have it immediately when the fire went up, they're blaming the people for going to some place like this. And this reminded me of my youth, you know, you go, you couldn't go to like the rock show at the bar. You could only go to like the underground mm -hmm. places. Mm -hmm. And that's really where you kind of learn about art and, you know, and you see a lot of bad bands, and you see a lot of bad art, but you also see, you meet like-minded people, and it happens on the fringes, you know, it's, it doesn't happen, it's not government sanctioned, it's not, you know, sanctioned by anybody, it just has to exist, yeah. you know, yeah. and so that's kind of what, you know, from the strategy, I was just thinking, like, well, you know, these kind of places have to exist on the fringes um, in America, and then I was kind of thinking about other things that have to, you know, come from, from the dark, and, and not in the spotlight. And so it's just a kind of a rumination on that. So were you countering what I was saying about it being about some sort of subversive movement? Well, I, I well, people will see like no, it's 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 not. It's not really. It's it's more about. I think it it gets called subversive because it's like oh, that's where all the freaks go. Mm -hmm. Or that's you know, it's uh, it's just basically the. It's supposed it's supposed to be sort of a hopeful song that these things you know, that things have to these things will exist you know. Yeah, you can you yeah. can try to stamp them out, and you can try to push them off into the edges. But that's actually where the most important things are happening. It's not in the center, or you know, everybody's eyes are on it. It's you know, something does not have to be on the internet to be important. Yeah, the, it's the, about the I guess the I don't want to say the power of marginalization because I think that's oppositional. But there is power right. in marginalization. That is where innovation and 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 social convention kind of happens. Like that's where you meet people. Uh, right. And that's how movements start, whatever the movement is. I right. Think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And this is a sort of sparse musical song. It really, I think it picks up when you start to yell, if I might use the term yell, <laughs> in a valley filled with flowers unseen in the dark. That's where it really seems to blow up, as I recall. Right. Am I right? I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, uh, there's, no drum, there's no drums till halfway through. Yeah, yeah. Which is bizarre, and Greg doesn't really play guitar. Like he kind of hoodwinked me a bit because when we were practicing it, he, Greg would like play a little bit of guitar, and then halfway point when the drums start, like he'd start playing guitar. Hmm. Then when we recorded it, he really, you know, the drums start halfway through. Um, then he doesn't really start playing guitar till the very end of the song. Yeah, he's just kind of do it, and so it's like I sang this song thinking, okay, like. It, it, 
and then he kind of like took all the guitars out. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, what? My, I'm out, I'm out, my ass is hanging out here, man. <laughs> but yeah, it was already hanging out without the drums, and now even more. So it's, uh, but I think it, I think it works. You know, I think it's, uh, and it kind of, you know, again is like a slow build where it's just kind of, you know, the drip, drip, drip of, you know, yeah, you, you can whatever you need to do. Like there is there are places that you can find that will fulfill you and, and maybe you'll meet like minded people, you know. Yeah. There's a lot of pensiveness on uh within the musical arrangements uh, as we've discussed. I think we we're gonna move on now to a song that's pretty full on. Uh mm -hmm. it's called Male Plague. My reading is it's about kind of um, bureaucratic power dynamics. That was my reading of it. It seems to be about men in charge and how that's wrecking everything. Am I close? Is that where you were coming from? Yeah, that's part of it. I mean, yeah, it's just basically about masculinity and, uh, you know, kind of, you know, uh, people, uh, men especially, when they feel like it seems like any sort of change that happens, like, we take it as a personal affront, you know, like, men aren't men anymore. Why? Why? Because women get paid, or trying to get paid more. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, because, because you know. We're trying. We're trying to make a better society here. You know, it's, yeah. if if you can't if you can't handle that, then maybe you're not much of a man. Is kind of my take on it. Do you think pro it, progressive movements and change uh, kind of remind men of older white men in particular of their mortality or something? Yeah, you know, and you, you know, people always say, like, "Oh, by by 2040 or whatever, like you know, uh, white people will be a minority in America or whatever." You know, mm -hmm. and. Some people look at that with like, oh, that's 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 going to be bad. You know, <laughs> that's not good. Yeah. And then some some people are like, oh, you know, I'm I'm sure we'll be fine. You know. Right. Uh, and so it's, I think it's yeah. When you start thinking, and I I don't know if there's a connection between just a person going through life and and getting to a point where they can see the end the end in sight, and then that's when they start getting very very. I mean, they always say people become more and more conservative as they get older. I think it's just because you're, you're, if it's true, it's because you're afraid, yeah. you know, basically. You're clinging on yeah. to something, yeah. Right. You're clinging on yeah. to what you know in particular, and, and the new stuff you don't know as well. Right, and it's just, you know, so I, I can relate to some of that. I mean, I, I get it, and, you know, I don't understand, you know, sometimes like something, a new protest movement or something will come up, and I don't understand it. Yeah. But... It, as long as I approach it where, like, I'll try to understand it, but really, you know, if I try to, I think a lot of times men in general and, and, and white men particularly, because we're used to it, we're like, okay, where, where do I fit in in this? Like, <laughs> yeah. what, 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 what do you need from me? Yeah. Uh, I, I guess I allow, I allow this. Okay, this is fine. This is good. Yeah. You know, this, this, or, all right, I don't quite understand it, but okay, that's fine. And that's kind of like the general, you know. The, the feeling, you know, and it's kind of, yeah, I don't know what to say about it, but it's, uh, you know, well, it's, it's, it's fear and control, basically. Yeah, but when you sing Everybody Knows It's Gonna Kill You Someday, 
I just is that the stress of being a a white male clinging to power? What what is the thing that's going to kill you? <laughs> that one I don't I, I don't quite hundred percent know, but I'm I'm going to say that it's just yeah, it's almost the sense of like if you're the disease is that because of changes and things, you become more and more toxic and more and more, you know, you're start getting filled with hate because of the way that the, the world is changing, you know, that, that the things that are changing aren't going to kill you, but it's your own kind of, uh, inability to handle it. That's going to kill you. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. We're going to move on to the, uh, penultimate song here, which, mm-hmm. uh, is, uh, Corpses in Regalia. From a high window, I spied a pair of Thor was very far away. I heard his voice inside my head. You've been spending your time with corpses in Regalia. You better get to stepping while you can. understand <laughs> you and me both you and me both <laughs> there seem to be uh there's like little uh scenes here uh that uh i find compelling can you talk about the opening passage uh, uh because yeah. i think it sets the tone quite quite a bit well with this one it's i always like to have a song where i, I don't know what's going on you know I, every album's got one or two of them on them and so basically it was just kind of putting together stuff that uh, evoked a mood in me um and the first part like i i a nightmare that i have that's recurring is that i'll be like walking down the street and there'll be somebody in the distance and they'll be talking to me and i can hear them like they're right next to me you know and that sort of auditory uh, confusion is like uh, fearful and then i was reading a book um it's by uh, fritz lieber and it was originally published as a small brown thing, and uh, it something similar happens. I think it's called Our Lady of Darkness, but there's a similar thing in it where like he sees somebody across the hill, and it's almost like they're communicating with him. So he's in San Francisco, so he goes up the hill, and he's looking around, and he looks back at his apartment, and the thing that he was he saw in the distance is now in his apartment. Hmm. <laughs> it's just kind of this really kind of weird, interesting thing. So that image of just like looking down at something very small that you know is able to whisper in your ear to me was just I wanted to get that in. And as far as what the corpses and regalia are, I don't quite know. I mean, I, I have some ideas, um, but I think this is one that can be open to interpretation. Better get to stepping while you can. Mm-hmm. That's the yeah. One. That's where I, I'm uh, slightly unnerved, I guess. Yeah, that's, that's basically just like move, you know, get moving mm. <laughs> because you you won't you won't get a chance to move much longer. You know, it's kind of it's it's basically a, get 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 to moving right now. 
Well, know. and earlier when we were talking about don't go to Anacita and, and sort of gentrification and, and maybe liberalism, there's this recurring line, decent people don't live like that. Decent folk don't live that good. And in this song, Corpses and Regalia, I assume they're, those ideas are kind of connected. Yeah, a little bit. Like, I, this notion of luxury recreation in the face of... Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of that's, that's definitely what kind of ties it all in is that yeah is the it's just this and, and that, that line decent people don't live like that decent folk don't live that good i got it from an old movie and i wish i could remember what it was hmm. it was one of those nights where i just wrote it down hmm. like somebody was like complaining and i wanted it to be sort of vague where it's like you know there there isn't a certain way decent people should live you know <laughs> people can live however they want but yeah. like yeah the idea that like because you're being so, you know, ridiculously extravagant, you're you're angering people. Yeah. You know, and you're you're shoving it in their faces, and they're they don't like it. You know. Yes. Yeah. It's it's, it's offensive. Yeah. You know. Yeah. There's a way. There's a way. There's ways to uh, live your life, and and that maybe that's. I think maybe it's one of the weirder outcomes of the internet is that we are now just like presenting ourselves to the to this void. Like here, here's me. Here's what I ate. Uh, here's this new car I got. Here's you know, like and so that. It's 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 a weird sort of communication. Yeah, just basically, you're basically saying, "Here's what I like, and here's what I have." <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's bizarre, and I think it's 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 affecting people in ways that I don't quite understand. Hmm. It's a more synthesized song, I think. It's it's almost a danceable song. Yeah, and this is one where uh, Scott, uh, like, we definitely wanted Scott's bass to be louder on this record, and this is the one where it just kind of it gets so crazy like his bass playing on this one is like okay this is like this is pretty awesome <laughs> so <laughs> respect this guy on this one <laughs> all right we move on to the final song on relatives and descent it's called half sister it also begins with the uh, dialogue i suppose uh, much the same way uh, the last song kind of does kind of like lay out i think what you know after all these songs that were you know kind of about distortion or not getting the truth or living in the darkness and all this stuff now there's like three stories that are, are how truth is perceived in a sense mm. and the first one is you know just uh, the story like jesus and pontius Pilate, which is another interesting story because like nobody people have ideas about pontius Pilate, and a lot of it's affected by you know, the way that he's presented in the Bible, which might have been a way just to say, like, ah, the Romans weren't so bad. You know, that's why, you know, because they're trying to sell it to Romans. Yeah. He might, he might have actually been an asshole, but a lot of times he's presented as, like, this thinker, you know. And uh, truth, what is it, is something that he says. And growing up in, a, in the church I lived next to, uh, uh, the old Italian guy would have, uh, the priest would do mosaics, and he did the mosaic of the, the passion of the Christ on the wall. And uh, truth, what is it, is at the very beginning, and so he kind of, he talks about like, uh, and so that always kind of stuck out to me, like truth, what is it, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, the idea, just 
that story freighted with all the the knowledge. The fact that I just called Jesus a prisoner, and uh, you know that he's babbling. He's not. You know, he's not making any sense. Yeah. You know, that's like you know that's it. It was just another day in Palestine, but since then, that's you know that story has obviously affected a lot of people in different ways. And so it's like, what is the truth of that situation? Right. Then the second one is in Darlington in uh, England, and that's only because our friend Stu, who would drive us around on European tours, is from Darlington. And we always joke that, you know, like he's like, oh, that's the real D-Town. You guys are from Detroit. That's not, that's not D-Town. <laughs> Darlington's D-Town. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'll put it in. And that's just about the idea of a living ghost mm. that appears in someone's backyard. And um, just the idea that it's not really a ghost. It's more about like unspoken or, uh, things, uh, family histories that have not been spoken of. And because it's, you know, it's affecting, he's like bringing in scientists to try to figure out what this ghost is. And at the end of the day, it's just, uh, a relative that's still alive thousands of miles away, like thinking very badly of him, mm. very poorly of him. A half sister, in fact. A half sister. Right. And then the third one is just Northern Michigan because it's a fascinating place. And just the idea, like I wanted to, for the longest time I had a title I wanted to call a song, A Talkative Horse. And I don't know why, <laughs> but I wanted that. And then... Mr. Ed thing, fan? Are you a big Mr. Ed fan? Is that... Yeah, well, I, I, when I was a kid, I used to go to summer camp. I, I would ride horses. I, I've always okay. really liked, liked horses. But just thinking about the idea of, like, we like to think that when if animals could talk, it'd be like, oh, I love you, or give me... You know, but I was just thinking, like, if they could talk, and they're just like this, you know, if they told us that humanity was terrible, yeah, it's kind of like shoot the messenger, you know, you know. Kill the Messiah. Like if this guy says, you know, if talking horse says, hey, ah, interesting. You know, you, can, you need to clean up your act. Uh, the way that we'd probably handle it is we'd probably shoot him and stuff him and then make up a story about him. Like, you know, oh, kids, come look at this is the horse that could talk. And, you know, his message was always do your best. You know, right. You know, just, you crucify so, the horse. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I, yeah, I put some more Jesus stuff on the horse than, than actually Jesus. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> He's been talked about enough, that guy. It's the, it's the horse. But yeah, it's just the, the, the idea of these three stories. Um, and I had a lot more stories, but I was like, okay, that's probably, that's probably enough. Well, and, is, and the fundamental moral about it, I guess, is, or rather the, 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 you sort of conclude the song with this notion of what truth might be in a, right. I think in an age of fake news and whatnot. Right, and it, it's something that you, it's not ever going to be presented to you that way. You, you kind of have to pick up on it, you know. You, uh, to to Pontius Pilate in the first story, you know, Jesus was just this another guy. Mm-hmm. But maybe you know, because if we're going to believe the story, you know, if he actually listened to him, maybe things would be different. And you know, this kind of family strife that you, you know, if if you actually look for the truth and and things, you know, your life would be a lot better. You wouldn't have, like, these these ghosts haunting you, you know, if you were more upfront with the truth. And the idea of, like, yeah, just it's out there. You know, there is a truth. I don't know what it is, but, you know, it does exist, and there is, you know, there is some shared realities that we can all agree on <laughs> if we actually kind of work at it. Yeah. In a sense. Well, we began the record talking about a private understanding and this notion, uh, this lyric rather, she is trying to reach you. And, and here it is again, uh, a version of the same idea. Uh, she is trying to reach you.
wanted to kind of reiterate that message that uh, whatever it is or whatever she is it's 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 out there because I and, and it, it was an honest response to going through this year yeah and and being really bummed out and then to have three previous albums that are kind of dark and foreboding or you know warning about things coming I didn't want the album to be cheery or uplifting it, it didn't seem right yeah especially for, for a band like us right but I also didn't want to just give in completely to despair, you know. And so it's it's and that's always kind of the thing is that you know you, you want to make sure that there is the the idea that you know in the despairing, hopeless moments there is there is still something that there is a light that we can focus on. Yeah. And whatever that is, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to give you the answer because I don't know the answer. But there's something there. Well, for what it's worth, uh, Joe, I, I think Relatives and Descent is a, a really powerful record, and it's uh, haunting all across the board. Uh, this song and is no different. And um, I thank you for this. I thank you for uh, spending time with me to talk about the the songs. Was this? Uh, I've been asking people this because I don't know. We spend a lot of time together here talking about your record. Is this useful for you? Did you did you learn something? Have you talked about this record in this way with anyone else? It, it always is, you know, because because you know, like, and that's why I think in like the press release stuff, I was like, this is not a concept album because I did not set out, you know, the band did not set out to to make this record. It, it kind of happened. Yeah. And then what you do is you try to, you know, you try to parse the words like why why was I watching an old movie and you know <laughs> decent people decent people don't live that good you know or live that well like why why did that stick out to me and yeah. why did i feel like i needed to jam it into a song yeah and 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 talking about it you kind of feel like oh yeah obviously i'm very concerned and i'm trying to be cheerful <laughs> in the face of it <laughs> right yeah well i like i say i appreciate this and uh i want to know what's coming up next for you and your band, I, I presume touring is on the horizon. Are you also uh, working towards more songs, new songs? Well, uh, yeah, tour, it's going to be a lot of touring. We're definitely going to be hitting Canada hopefully next year. Um, hopefully more than we have in the past. We actually play some places we haven't played. That's, all, that's, that's one of the things that keeps us going is like, okay, we're going to play places we haven't played or go back to places that we liked. Yeah. Um, that's kind of like the the what keeps the band firing. We did record some songs that didn't make the album um, that are kind of, uh, we recorded some down uh, with uh, Mike Montgomery and Kelly Deal from Our Ring. Mm -hmm. And we recorded a couple songs with Matthew Deere, who's a local fella. So we have like enough for like an EP that hopefully will come out at some point. Oh, okay. And then, uh, yeah, then it's going to be touring, 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 and then definitely not next year, but hopefully the year after that we'll, we'll start the process again. Right. And maybe that will be the one where I'm just like, you know, sunny days are here again, and, <laughs> and let's sing about love. You know, I, would lo I would love to sing love songs, because I'm realizing now that's where the money is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it might, the... might be the case. You're, you might be right about that. Uh, you're on a new yeah. record label, Domino Records, uh, uh, which is which is great. Good for you. Uh, is, there a yeah. is there a central place we can send people to learn more about Proto Martyr and this record uh, in terms of the internet? Can you think of a place... That I yeah, can't we have think of right now. <laughs> we have a we have a website that I, I don't know how good it is, but we have one. It's called uh, yeah, protomartyrband.com. dot com. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure the label has information on us. Yeah. Uh, don't don't trust Wikipedia. <laughs> Fake news. <laughs> uh, don't uh, you know? 
Yeah, be careful what you read out there. Yeah. Right now will be true. Okay. Protomartyrband.com for the realist factual facts. Yeah, there's, about there's, the no, yeah, there's, uh, there's absolutely no facts there except the uh, tour dates. Right. So well, that's facts. Uh, that's information. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is there a single song from Relatives in Descent that we can uh, send people off with right now that you would choose for us? I would choose the Chuckler right now. That right now is my uh, my go-to. It changes all the time, but I think the Chuckler is a pretty good encapsulation of, if you like the Chuckler, you'll like the rest of the album. <laughs> all right, this is the Chuckler by uh, Proto-Martyr. Joe, thank you so much again for your time today, and best of luck with everything uh, going forward. Yeah, talk to you again soon.
That was the 357th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Antica Podcast Network and is available on iTunes, Audioboom, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Overcast, among many other podcast platforms. If you can't find an episode uh, you're looking for or you wish to learn more about me or sign up for uh, the uh, newsletter for the show, please visit vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at vishcreative, or follow me at vishkana. You can also listen to a radio show version of Creative Control on Wednesdays at noon Eastern Standard Time, around the world at cfru.ca, or on an actual radio at 93.3 FM if you're in or near Guelph. Visit patreon.com slash Control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going and view some t-shirts that I can offer you as gifts uh, if you decide to pledge. This episode would not be possible without our sponsors, Pizza Trocadero, whom you can call for pickup or delivery at 519-829-2444 in Guelph, or check them out at trocaderoguelph.ca. The bookshelf, an independently owned bookstore, bar, music venue, and movie theater located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. Learn more about them at bookshelf.ca. Planet Bean, freshly roasted, fair trade, certified organic coffee. Planetbeancoffee.com for more info. Granddad's Donuts, located at 574 James Street North in Hamilton, Ontario. Amazing, old-fashioned, giant donuts. Visit granddads.ca to learn more about them. To have a whole meal's worth of ingredients delivered right to your Canadian home, visit HelloFresh.ca and use the promo code CREATIVE50 for 50% off your first order. That's CREATIVE with a K. 50, all one thing. It's not a word exactly because it's a number, but CREATIVE50, all one thing, no spaces. CREATIVE with a K. And you'll get 50% off your first order from HelloFresh. And speaking of fresh, FreshBooks, a cloud accounting software for small business owners. Try it free for 30 days. Go to freshbooks.com slash creative control and in there, how did you hear about us section, enter creative control, one word. That's creative with a K and control with a K, all one word, and you will get to try FreshBooks for 30 days. No money down. That's it for another episode. Thanks to Joe Casey and the people of Protomartyr and all of you for listening. I enjoyed that very much. It's great to speak with joe again he's a very thoughtful guy and that band is amazing and this record's fantastic i hope you learn things about it and feel compelled to grab that record because it's great all right that's all i have to say for now i will talk to you very very soon please subscribe to the show download episodes of the show tell your friends about the show and that'll keep the thing going really is what it'll do so thank you thank you very much all right i'll talk to you later goodbye for now Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.